Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Can we give Jesus some praise in this place? Come on. Ugh. I woke up this morning with an expectation that God was going to do the supernatural in this place today. I woke up just believing that anything is possible today. Anything can happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I, I truly believe what God dropped in my spirit. He said today people were going to be amazed and that the cry and the, and the report would be, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anything like this before. So it's an honor and a privilege to be here today. Can we thank our beautiful pastors, Pastor Becca and Vince Craig? You're doing such an amazing job. Uh, my heart was just overjoyed. I was just sending all kinds of photos over to our Pastor Jurgen Liam just to see, oh my gosh, what they're doing here. The atmosphere, the welcoming, the hospitality, everything from the parking lot to where we are right now is absolutely excellent. What you guys are doing here, this isn't normal. You need to understand it's not normal. And I, I just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for what the Lord has planned today. Again, I am Dana Adams. I oversee our online campus. So if any of you guys watch our live stream or get plugged into any of our um, any of our ministries where we send you guys a link, my beautiful team is running that very efficiently. So, but before we begin today, and I, I'd like to thank the musicians. Thank you so much. What an atmosphere they've already brought. I know there's already been a healing in in the worship in the worship, and I'll get them back up here pretty soon. But um, before I begin today, something I want us to declare together is this. Say, I have been given the power to live a life that can never be destroyed. Before we leave here today, I am declaring and believing that you're going to get that scripture, Hebrews 7, 16, in your spirit, and you're going to see it operating in your life. Do we agree with that this morning? All right. So how many guys are loving the Check Your Heart series? I love it. It's been amazing so far. It's something I'm very, very passionate about. Um, in 2015, I actually wrote a book on this very topic called Wound Care Healing from the Inside Out. But we are a fresh, real, and powerful church. And so God has given me a word specifically for today. So with our short time together, I'm going to jump right into it. Are we ready? Strap on your seatbelts. All right. So because the truth is that we have been given the power to live a life that can never be destroyed, in a perfect world, everyone would live from that place. But oftentimes, we have to unpackage the lies that we believed about ourselves according to what the world has told us or what people have said so that the truth can be revealed. Today, I am on a mission to unpackage the lie and reveal the truth. You know, as a pastor here at NC3 San Diego and a nurse in the marketplace for now almost 16 years, I know, straight out of diapers. <laughs> C3 will do that to you, you'll age backwards. The predominant things that keep people from living a life that can never be destroyed are undealt with wounds. I can tell you firsthand, I see the full manifestation of undealt with wounds every single day in our hospital beds. And what's worse is I actually work in an environment where people celebrate other people's failures by calling it job security. So now job security has replaced people and I can see the enemy's tactics in this, and the end result would be that sick people would take care of sick people. Matthew 15, 14 paints a picture of this perfectly. Can I just have the lights just come up a little bit just so I can see your beautiful faces? It says, do you know what happens when a blind man pretends to guide another blind man? They both stumble into a ditch. Well, not on my watch. God has employed me to disrupt this corrupted culture. And I truly believe that if the church could become the hospital that we were created to be, 
heal the brokenhearted, set the captive free, bring restoration by throwing people a lifeline, by having the tough and difficult conversations that the world won't have, but through a filter of faith, hope, and love, well people can care for well people, and people will again live life and live it abundantly. See, I think the world does a really good job of medicating the symptoms of a wound. But maybe we should stop medicating the symptoms and actually deal with the roots. And the only way that we can do that is to talk more about where wounds come from. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. See, sometimes we don't know what we don't know, and what we don't know can destroy us. So today we're going to travel back to the book of Genesis. This is going to feel like a biblical TED Talk on undealt with wounds. But we're going to understand how the original wound was formed. See, we're all very familiar with the story of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 2. And let me preface that at this point in the scripture, they were in a perfect world. The Bible says they were naked and unashamed. But we're going to pick up in Genesis 3 because the story quickly takes a turn. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's stop here. Why was the serpent cunning? Because nowhere in this particular passage of scripture does it say that Adam was with Eve. So even though Adam was somewhere in the garden at this point, he wasn't connected to his wife. So the serpent had the perfect setup. He found he was cunning because he found her in isolation. Isolation is the devil's playground of deception. And just knowing that Adam was present in the garden, but he wasn't present with Eve, already reveals a bad setup and one part of the original lie that still exists today, where people can think they're in a room full of people and not be isolated. But don't be deceived. You can be in a room full of people, but if you're not connecting with those people, just like Adam and Eve in this particular passage, you're actually isolated. So the serpent finds Eve in her vulnerable, isolated state. There's no one to tell her that danger's approaching. There's no one to reveal the blind spot. And then he begins to feed her the lie. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Surely you will not die. He was able to deceive Eve through contradicting and distorting the most powerful truth in her life, the word of God. He had the perfect setup. Eve was the perfect prey, all because she was isolated. And then the isolated woman begins to process the distorted word of God through the space between her right and her left ear. And then what happens next? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. I think it's really funny that the devil always delivers corruption in the sweetest tasting packages. So Eve buys the lie, believes the lie, becomes infected with the lie, and then what's the next thing that happened? She didn't waste any time. She began to infect others. Genesis 3, 6 says, she also gave to her husband, which he finally shows up. Like, I don't, I don't know where he was before now. Not throwing him under the bus. It's just what the Bible says. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. See, just like this, sometimes we think that just like Adam and Eve, when we don't deal with our wounds, we're not affecting others. 
But it's a lie that we buy, and then we end up infecting the people that we're called to influence. And as we can see now that the cascade of infection begins to grow. The infection leads to shame. See, we find they begin to sew fig leaves on to cover the shame. The shame turns to blame. Because later in this passage, God's calling them out in the garden. But Adam's blaming Eve. Eve's blaming the serpent. Anything so they don't have to take responsibility. Church, this still exists today. But whatever we blame, we give power to. So the things that we're called to rule over now begin to rule over us. See, further down in this passage, God starts walking through the garden, looking for his kids who he named. But now they've made a a covenant with the covering of shame, and they hide from him because now they've lost their identity as God's children and have now begun to identify with the wound. And God's calling out to them, but they can't hear his voice because it's so distorted because the filter of shame. And even though he's calling out to them according to who they are, saying, who told you you were naked? They remain in their shame covering. Then their shame, we find later, gets transferred to their firstborn Cain. We find out Cain murders his brother Abel. The infection gets complicated. So now what started as an infection quickly turns into an epidemic and begins to infect generation after generation. We see it later in the Psalms. This is generations later. This is David speaking in Psalms 38, 5 through 11. It says, my wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for. Lord, you hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails and I'm going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. David's basically saying my physical illness is directly correlated to my anguished heart. This is a day in the life of an undealt with wound. And church, the only way that we can break the cycle is by choosing to become the deal breakers, which means we have to be reprogrammed and restored back to the people God created us to be. When I was praying over this message, the Holy Spirit gave me a picture of a defibrillator. And he said he actually wanted to defibrillate some hearts here today. And despite what you see on Grey's Anatomy, it's great for drama. Go ahead with your bad self. You want to watch for drama. But for medical accuracy, wouldn't suggest it. Because in the real world, when a patient goes into cardiac arrest, the heart's activity is chaotic. So when we defibrillate a person, we stop the heart the heart then actually reorganizes and recalibrates itself to allow the restoration of normal rhythm, the intended rhythm. And I believe there's some people here today whose hearts have been chaotic from undealt with wounds, and we're going to get you restored back to who you were created to be today. The title of my message today is The State of the Heart Address. Yeah. I know there's a lot of patriotism here. And as much as I would love to exercise my inner politician, I will hold restraint. I'll be good. I will. It's hard, but I will be. Because this actually isn't a a political address as much as it is a call to address the state of our own hearts. If your heart could speak, what would it say? And would it be speaking from undealt with wounds? We're going to take an assessment of where we are today, and we're going to get those undealt with wounds dealt with today. Do you believe that? Say amen. Okay. You know, I can't address many of the symptoms of undealt with wounds. There's so many. But in the time frame that I'm given, we're going to address the ones that cause the most damage. Because I believe that if we can take out the big stones, we can take care of the small ones. Are you ready? All right. 
Number one, if your heart were to speak, would it say you bless people or curse people? When you open your mouth, do you add value to people or do you rob them of value? James 3, 8 through 10 says this, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Father and God, and with it, we curse men who've been made in the similitude of God. They've been made in the image of God. That is a sobering thought. The number one manifestation of an infected heart is most definitely the unruly, deadly, evil poison of gossip. And for my male friends, for my emerge men, trash talk. We're going to go there because gossip is the biggest promoter of demotion in the kingdom, and it comes straight from a sick heart. Matthew 15, 18 says, it, but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can pollute, not food. So there was a season not that long ago. We're a transparent church, so I'm going to tell you, this wasn't that long ago. I thought that I'd forgiven my mom for all the years of abuse. I was abused up until my adult years, and I actually thought I'd forgiven her. But I was in my quiet time one day, and I was just crying out to God, and I was like, God, why hasn't this situation changed? Why is she still so abusive? And I heard God say, I'm using the situation to change you, not her. I was like, oh, hold up. Why do I need to change? And he said, nah, you may have forgiven her. You probably should do it again. It's, it's not a one-off. But I wouldn't know that by what comes out of your mouth every time her name comes up. See, you're actually not healed in this area because every opportunity you get, you gossip or trash talk to your peers and update them on that new toxic email she sent you or that nasty voicemail, anything to feed the resentment that you still have towards her. And I looked outside the conversation. I was like, oh, no, he's right. And then I was like, God, I mean, what can I do practically? This isn't going to go away overnight. I mean, it's apparent. I've been gossiping about my mom for a really long time. He said, all right. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to put a filter in your mouth to catch gossip because once it leaves your mouth, you can't reverse the damage. So that's what I did. Every morning, I asked God to put a filter in my mouth to filter gossip because just like the Bible says in Matthew 15, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. I was really pumped. The Lord just performed this creative miracle in my mouth. All of a sudden, there was this filter. And oh my goodness, what that filter did and still does for me today. Because I had this like heightened awareness. And I realized that I, didn't, I couldn't believe how many opportunities I had to say something bad about someone. It wasn't just my mom. And what's worse, what I thought wasn't gossip actually was because every time I would go to speak one of two things would happen either the Holy Spirit would say filter or I would go to speak and my mouth would move but no sound would come out because the Holy Spirit was going shh, 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 shh. I was like oh my gosh this is driving me crazy I just want to gossip it was it was driving me nuts but oh my goodness I can't believe how much breakthrough and promotion I got because in that process I actually did change God was able to remove the resentment and now my undefiled language began to attract the things of God but you know what this wouldn't have happened if I didn't recognize I needed to filter my conversation you know, I love my good friend, the prophet, John Maxwell. He says, if people could listen to themselves talk, they would probably talk less. 
Case in point, he proved it in this situation. Amen. Amen, Prophet John Maxwell. See, there's a reason why gossip is the biggest promoter of demotion in the kingdom. There's a reason why Proverbs 6 speaks of this very thing as being an abomination. It's solely because God hates the defilement of any of his creation, and he's not attracted to it. And let me also warn you, if the gossip's coming to you, the gossip's also about you. I don't know what could be worse because of this, the person doing the gossip or the person receiving it because of that. Do not make friends with these people, and also do a heart check as to why it's happening to you in the first place. Are we people like David who may have lost some friends because of what comes out of our mouth? Church, every time we speak evil against a person, we're actually self-promoting. We're actually preferring ourselves above those people. I think we need to listen more and talk less. Use the Holy Spirit as a filter and allow God to promote us. Matthew 23, 12 says, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. When we humble ourselves, God can bring the promotion. And then we can now begin to manifest symptoms of a healthy heart where we actually celebrate other people's successes, not their failures. Healthy things grow. When we grow ourselves, we can grow other people. What's your heart saying about this area today? Take a deep breath. How are we good? We're good. I know I'm touching on some things, but that's okay. We need it. So if this is a condition that you're experiencing, it's most likely because of the next state I want to address this morning. If your heart were to speak, would it say you earn love or receive love? How do you know that? Earn love is measured by performance. It focuses on what you do. Receive love is measured by inheritance, the act of the acceptance of the gift that's already been given, and it focuses on the who, who you are. If love is earned, your identity is based on how well you can perform to get man's promotion, which is only, church, the partial package. Instead of learning to receive the love of God, who he himself, he's, he's the total package. You know, earned love is the manifestation that floods the social media platforms of today. I, th I find it funny that people will literally buy followers to gain more likes because they believe being noticed by people who don't even know them somehow proves their success. Meanwhile, they're behind the social media highlight reel, starved to earn love that they've actually already been given but can't fully receive because they're so broken on the inside. You know, another group of people that exhibit symptoms of needing to earn love are what I call the word-dependent people. Just take another deep breath, okay? <laughs> These are people that live on acceptance based on a prophecy or a word from man. They're always talking about needing a word or that word that they got from so-and-so. Literally every conversation starts with that word that I got. You know, how do I know this? I used to be one of those people. Let me admit, I wore something kind of flashy like this, but more like a canary yellow prophecy shirt to church a time or two. I wanted it to be my turn. The prophet was here. But you know what I love about C3? We bring in the real prophet. Because those real prophets would look over my canary t-shirt needy self and move on to the new person who actually needed a word in the first place. And don't get me wrong, I'm all about getting a word. You know, God gave us the gift of prophecy to encourage and build one another up. And there have definitely been some prophecies that have carried me through some very tough seasons in my life. But that's the only place we're searching for a word. There's an issue. When you have a healed heart, you recognize that a word from man is not a replacement for the word of God. The best prophecies I've ever received are picking up the word of God. And if you're someone that needs a word, you can get one every day. Just open up your Bible. 
I don't even have to wait on a word from man to tell me to change the world. I can open up my Bible, and God gives me permission to do it every single day. So whenever somebody actually does speak over and into my life, it already confirms what God said. But you know what I find? It doesn't even do it justice. When I get here, I can't even share with some people. They would be jealous. Because I learned to receive the package in full and not just in part. Do you know what happened? Now I have more time to actually give words to other people. Because I'm not searching for a word because I have a healed heart. And I know I'm stepping on some toes today. But I'm not coming from a place of perfection. It's just a little bit of progress on this journey of living my whole life based on performance to now living my life based on receiving the love and goodness of God. You know, there were some very diseased areas in my heart that God had to uproot because it was causing massive relational problems. You know, I couldn't progress as a leader, and there was actually a level of pride operating in my life that was keeping me in a state of backwardness and delay. I had to break all this generational junk in my life. You know, I grew up in a home where I never felt good enough. So I always felt insufficient and unworthy. You know, my parents who didn't love themselves couldn't love me because they'd actually never receive love. But then I would watch them try to earn other people's relationships through what I call the four Ps. Perfecting, performing, pleasing, and proving. And even though I watched it backfire every single time, as a young child, I unknowingly adopted these coping mechanisms, being shaped and identified by the opinions of man by always appearing to look a certain way, that as I got older, it actually just grew worse and worse. And, you know, it wasn't until I actually came into an atmosphere like this, into C3, where people came around me not based on what I was doing, but who I was becoming. When I came in, I was anxious. I was, wor I was like Martha in the Bible, worried and busy and anxious about many things. I actually made her look good. I thought that was normal until I came in this environment. And you know what? Even then, it still took some time. You know, to become the leader that I'm just now becoming today, I had to go through years of trial and error just letting go of this performance mentality. I had to let go of these old mindsets so I could actually make disciples and reproduce good leadership in other people. You know, in the beginning, because I was still trying to earn love, I had to have it my way. I had to have it perfect. I couldn't grow a team if you handed me one. I wouldn't release responsibility to people because what if they screwed up? It would make me look bad. And even worse, what if they were successful? Then they would get all the credit, and I wanted all the credit. That's another form of self-promotion. And a self-promoting leader is an insecure leader, and an insecure leader will jack up a team. There was once an insecure leader, take all the credit Lucifer, and he took down one-third of his team, and that wounded team is still wreaking havoc on the world today. But once I learned to receive God's love, oh boy, I couldn't wait to release responsibility. I was like, you get a job, you get a job, you get a job, you get a job, you get a job. Because I now understood that my success is really measured by their success. The only credit I could give myself is good discipleship. Because somebody had to lead them to their breakthrough. But you know what? I was equally as committed to their wins as my own because they were my wins. That made me successful. I don't now have a single problem growing teams. You know, earning love and not being able to receive love kept me from having meaningful relationships. You know, because I'd rather be busy performing tasks to impress people instead of actually having to trust them. This, I, couldn't, I couldn't grow close to them because of my undealt with wounds. I actually held people at arm's length. The walls were up. And just like Eve in the garden, there was a level of isolation in my life, even though I was around people all the time. But then I come to church and I meet this beautiful woman, Issa Rooney. You guys might know her. She's been to this campus. Her beautiful husband preached here a couple weeks ago, Jim Rooney, Coach Jim. And God 
is so beautiful that he united two people who had to overcome the same thing, letting people in. Issa gave me permission to share this. She loves to tell people, when I came into C3, I was booty shorts and a bad attitude, and I didn't trust anybody. <laughs> she literally had to overcome the fear of letting people in just like I did because of being so burned in her past. She had to make herself engage and become friends with people. But by the time she got to me, she had quite a level of breakthrough in her life, but I was still on the fence. And so one day, Issa's a fit girl, and she pulls me in, and I flinch back like this. I was like, oh, you're, you're in my space. This is my peace space. This is my personal space, and you're in it. And she's also a very smart woman because she doesn't miss a thing. She brings me in to the tightest chokehold, <laughs> and she says, you will be my friend. I mean, that's like 10% crazy in a good way. When I realized I couldn't get out of the chokehold, I was like, okay, Issa, I'll be your friend. But don't you ever put me in a chokehold again. We've been the greatest of friends ever since. You know why? Because she exercised her freedom by helping me get set free, and now we have a plethora of friends. We talk all the time. The calendar's full. I have, a, I have a mother figure in my life now. We call her Mama Quacha. She's on some of the, the videos that you see. This woman is a powerhouse, and she can literally pray the fire out of hell. But I have her because I learned to receive love. You know, I was sitting in my counselor's office one day, and she was helping me work through a really tough season in my life, and she knew the history of my abusive mother. And she looked at me point blankly and she said, Dana, do you have a mother figure in your life? And again, I start to shut down. Because it's one thing to have friends. It's a whole nother thing to have a mother. I had one of those and I wasn't interested. I knew what that would take and I felt so depleted. I had nothing to give in that area. And you know, it's like this counselor read my mind and she said, no, Dana, see, you're so used to performing. You're so used to earning love. No, this is someone that God brings into your life to love you for you. You don't have to perform. There are no strings attached. And immediately this woman pops into my mind, this beautiful woman, Quacha. And you know, a couple weeks later, we're having coffee and I shared this story with her. And she starts grinning from ear to ear. She goes, Dana, this is one of the primary calls of God on my life. I would love to be a mother figure for you. I have kids all over the world. And she goes, and you know what? I would love you for you, no strings attached. Wow. It's like she knew the conversation that happened in that counselor's office that day. And, you know, this woman has been the greatest connection for me. Like, I'm not even the same person as a result of this relationship. And what I found was that through this, God brought something to me that I, sometimes he'll bring something to you you didn't even know you needed until you have it. I mean, the woman will tell me what time it is all day long. I mean, she puts me in my place, but she loves me unconditionally. She fills my love tank. She's been the greatest gift for me. And you know, recently, I started dating a guy, um, an amazing guy in our church. Um, but you know what? God couldn't really bring a man into my life until I learned to receive love. You know, because even now, Joel will tell you that my security's not in Joel. It's actually in God. So it makes his job and my job a lot easier. The pressure's off. He's so happy about that. And it's so much more fun. It's so much more enjoyable, this journey that we're on. You know, what's really great is that when you deal with your wounds, and now that I have a healthy heart, I mean, I might have coaxed him a little bit on our first date. I said, you know, Joel, you know, I've been able to work through a lot of things. So I think with a healed heart, it's actually possible to be less than three crazy. <laughs> That's what every guy wants to hear.
I've got the greatest church with the greatest teens, the greatest friends, the greatest family, now dating the greatest man because I'm now receiving the love of God and all the benefits because now I have a healed heart. What's the state of your heart today in this area, you know? Let's take an assessment. Let's be honest and grab those near and dear to us to work it out. So now that we've spent some time unpackaging the lie, and I, I feel just beginning to reveal the truth in our last moments together, I want to reveal the ultimate truth. If I could get the keys to come. Where one man, or should I say woman, uh, introduced the infection into the world, a greater man introduced the resurrection 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This man, Jesus, actually became the deal breaker and accomplished the greatest rescue mission on history so that you and I don't have to live from a place of infection, but the place of resurrection. This is where it gets good. And this is the truth that I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal to you this morning. See, Jesus came over 2,000 years ago on a rescue mission to destroy the works of the devil, to empower us to live a life that can never be destroyed. The resurrected life was the original plan. He removed the infection then. But we spent over 2,000 years playing catch-up because we've been given too many options to be the problem. Jesus didn't die, church, so that we can have a boutique church catering to people's offenses, furthering their infections. The churches of today spend so much time trying not to offend people. But at C3 Salt Lake City, we're going to risk offending people to preach the undiluted gospel because the undiluted gospel itself is offensive. It's offensive because it forces us, empowers us, not forces us, to look at ourselves in the mirror and use the resurrected blood to get rid of the options and become the solution. We spent generations living from a place of infection, just like our friend David earlier. Because we've been programmed to think that being the problem is an option. But when I read Isaiah 53, 5, it says this. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He, Jesus, was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, Jesus. And by his, Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Jesus became the solution on the third day so that we don't have to be a problem. You are the solution. I'm speaking to your identity. We're not here to convince you that you are the solution. We're saying you are the solution. Jesus, God created the original you. He didn't create the problem. He didn't create the infection. He didn't create the wound. He didn't create the shame. He didn't put the shame on you. He died and rose again to take the shame off of you. The only option is Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He became the first deal breaker. He modeled this for us so that we could also become the deal breakers, the solution. But in order to do that, church, we have to eliminate the options, which means we have to become aware of the lies and break them that we believed about ourselves according to what we've been identified with by the world and where we found ourselves identified with the wound instead of who we actually are in Christ. You know, maybe, maybe you found yourself in isolation, you know, unable to connect with people, or maybe just like me, you, you hold people at arm's length. Or maybe it's just easier to blame others. Maybe you've been blaming yourself. Or maybe someone close to you that hurts you because you actually don't want to deal with the pain of that wound. Maybe you are realizing that you do gossip 
because of maybe some unforgiveness in your heart, some resentment, or maybe you just feel better when you put other people down. Maybe this performance thing has been an issue in your life, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your parenting, in your relationships, because you haven't actually learned to receive love. But you know what the good news is today? It's not the well that need a doctor, but the sick. And if your heart has become infected by any of these things, you actually came to the right place because the best hospital in the world is still the church. We are in the business of healing the brokenhearted and setting the captive free, healing the sick, which means it gives people eternal security. But in order to be the solution to the people that God has placed in our world, to be the solution to the city, it starts with us here today. So today I want to lead us in a corporate prayer. I want to break off some of these things. It's a day to get the undealt with wounds dealt with. It's a day to get your heart healed, your minds healed, but it's also a day for physical healing. Maybe you came in here and you think there's a sickness in your body, but it actually might be like David's story. It might be a result of an anguished heart. We're going to take care of that today. You know, when I was praying over this message, God reminded me of the Gospels and the book of Acts and, and how people received healing. And if you watch the ministry of Jesus, Jesus healed in a few different ways. There were some conditions that he healed. First, a person had to receive salvation. How do they receive healing if they're actually not even connected to the source of healing? Or maybe it, it was a, they needed to be forgiven of their sins or iniquities, or maybe there needed to be some deliverance. But mostly it was a simple act of faith, you know. Jesus never withheld a miracle from anyone. He basically just got them to move to the next level of their faith. You know, sometimes in the Bible, people would have to pick up a mat, and then they were healed. Or they would have to, if they were a leper, they might have to dip in a, a pool of water to be healed. But we're in 2019. So all we would have to do today to receive healing is to raise your hand. That is a response to faith that you believe that you can be healed today. So as the worship team begins to play, we're going to stand to our feet and I'm going to lead us. There's an order to how we're going to pray today. If we could all stand. Just close our eyes all over this place. Every eye closed, every head bowed. See, in order to receive healing, you have to be connected to the source of healing. So I'd like to ask at this time if there's anyone here that's never received Jesus the deal breaker, the one who took all your sins, took all your shame, put it on him on the cross. He is the source of healing. Is there anyone in this place that you would say you don't know that you have eternal security, that, that you know that you don't know that you know Jesus today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna get you to slip your hand up. If that's you today. I can see that hand. I can see that hand. I can see that hand. Their hands going up. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. It's just between you and God. But we're believing. There's more people here today. Maybe at one point you've received him, but you've been far from him. It's a time to reconnect today. Who are those people? There's still one or two people. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Beautiful. Is there anyone else? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to pray together corporately today. We're all going to stand and believe today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you so love me that you sent your only son to die on a cross for me. Lord Jesus, today, 
I receive you in my heart. My sins are forgiven. Heaven is my home. God is my father. My eternity is secure. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we lift up a shout? Can we lift up a shout? The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Church salvation is the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is salvation. It's important that we are first connected to the source of healing. So now that we've received salvation, we're actually going to move into a corporate cleansing prayer. You know, I talked about many different things that we might have been plagued with in our life, many undealt with wounds. So today I want to move into the prayer. And as the worship team begins to play, we're actually going to address the wounded areas and begin to break them off. Everyone is going to have, we're going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to actually lead us in this corporate prayer. You don't have to repeat after me. I need everyone in here to open up their palms and receive. One of the biggest things that really stops up every area of your life, one of the biggest undealt with wounds is unforgiveness. And the enemy can be deceiving. And he can say that you need to forgive other people. But sometimes you need to forgive yourself because you can't give what you don't have yourself. So God will highlight, number one, if you need to forgive yourself or forgive someone else while I'm praying. But if we could corporately agree, I'm going to pray over us. Every head bowed, every eye closed, palms open to heaven. In the name of Jesus, I dispatch linked angels, banded angels, warrior angels on assignment around this church today, and I recruit divine angelic assistance to fight for supernatural healing of hearts, minds, and bodies today. I apply the blood of Jesus as a cleansing agent to heart wounds, removing the infection caused by any form of sin or unforgiveness towards self or others. By the power of the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, I speak to every demonic agent, taking up residence in people's hearts. I serve you your eviction notice. I say your time is limited and your time is up. I break the backbone of every lie used by demonic agents to infect your people. In Jesus' name, I bind every spirit of shame, resentment, bitterness, self-hate, self-pity, suicide, grief, depression, anxiety, death, rejection, fear, abandonment, and religion. And I command you to return to the dust of the earth. I declare under the sound of my voice, every wounded heart in this place is receiving the fire of God, receiving fresh heavenly blood transfusion, every infection, has been cleared. Every heart is made new and immune to any demonic trespassers by the blood of the Lamb. If we agree with that, can we lift up a shout? Can we lift up a shout? That's right. Come on. God can heal in an instant. In an instant. So it's very important that we receive salvation. Remember, Jesus healed by salvation. Then he healed by forgiveness of sins and deliverance. So that prayer was really important. But the next prayer we're going to pray is actually over physical healing. Because God highlighted to me some specific disorders that people are dealing with. But you think that that's actually, it's actually a physical thing. But the physical thing is directly correlated to the undealt with wound in the heart. So it's really important that we actually heal the heart so that you actually receive physical healing. So in the Bible, just like I said earlier, there's some conditions. There's some conditions that recruit divine assistance for healing. Divine assistance angels locate us through worship and the prophetic. Through worship and the prophetic. And so, in John 5, at the pool of Bethesda, 
it says that the angels of the Lord were stirring the waters and anyone that jumped into that pool got healed. And just like I said, we're in 2019. You don't have to dip into a pool. You don't have to dip into or pick up your mat. All you have to do is lift your hand. And through an atmosphere of worship, all you have to do is lift your hand. And this is what we're going to do today. I am going to list off some pro disease processes I, I truly feel like are directly correlated to the heart. But if you need a physical healing of any kind, today is your day. But here's the deal. I could operate in healing all day long. I could lay hands on the sick all day long. I'm going to do that today. But that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to empower you. I'm called to empower you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So I'm going to actually list off these names. If you are in this category, I want you to respond in faith and lift your hand and the person to the right or to the left of you is actually going to lay hands on you and then myself and my ministry team are going to come out and they're going to begin to pray over you. Because guess what? All it takes is a lifting of the hand. In an instant, you can be healed. And I'm telling you, when there's agreement and unity, there's power. When two or more agree by my name, people will be healed, Jesus said. That's what's going to happen today, okay? So I'm going to list off some things. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. But if you need physical healing of any kind, and why I say it's the prophetic is that what I've told the ministry team and what I'll tell you to give you some instruction is when they come out to you, tell them what the condition is. But they're not going to just say, oh, well, we'll please, please will that condition go away. We're believing, oh, maybe. No, we're going to prophesy. We're going to prophesy. Because angels in heaven start to warfare when we prophesy. We're going to prophesy that thing has left. That thing is gone. That thing is leaving. So that's what we're going to do today. All right. If there's any untreatable illness, if the doctors have said there's nothing more they can do for you, you're in the category. If they've used the words, there is no cure, you're in the category. If there's any recurring illness where you get some short-term relief and it goes away and then it comes back, you're in the category. If there's any chronic pain of any kind, you're in the category. If there's sleeping disorders of any kind, migraines, fibromyalgia, joint disorders, degenerative disorders, skin disorders of any kind, cancer, recurrent tumors and lesions, even if they're benign, you're in this category. Any respiratory disorders, particularly where there's been a recurrent cough or pneumonia, you're in the category. Any gastrointestinal disorders, anxiety, depression, any suicidal thoughts, any eating disorders of any kind, autoimmune disorders, blood disorders, addictions, any traumatic brain injuries or disorders. I speak to every disorder and I command you to receive the fire of God. Receive the fire of God. I declare supernatural healing over this place and I send forth the fire of God to heal every wounded heart, to bind up every disorder. In the name of Jesus, I declare right now that as we bind on earth, heaven is binding, backing us up. And whatever we loose on earth, heaven looses and backs us up. So we're gonna come out to you today. Receive it today. Receive your healing. There's hands going up all over the place. Let's do it.